Yeah, that's right. Welcome to Rinkwide. Back once again on a Saturday. Andrew Wadden, J.D. Burke alongside you guys locked into the Canucks and Sharks tonight. Tee it up before the Alpine credits. Pre-game show starts with uh, John Abbott and Blake Price. Big show we got uh, arranged for you guys today. Jason Botchford going to join us in a couple minutes. His first time on the program. We're going to uh, tee up the Canucks at the trade deadline with Botch. We're going to ride the bus as we do each and every week and head to Utica, talk to Ben Burnell. The uh, Utica Comets are playing tonight against Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins. That one starts at 4 o'clock, so we'll get uh, Ben's thoughts on the week that was for the Comets as well as uh, get a little preview of tonight's tilt. In the second hour of the show today, we'll talk to Kevin Kurz from The Athletic in San Francisco, of course, We'll do a preview of the Canucks and Sharks before we get to the back check and let you know everything that happened with the Canucks in the past week. I want to remind you that Rinkwide is powered by BTM Lawyers. Did you know that craft beer law is even a thing? Well, it is in BTM. They do it. The guys at BTM Lawyers help craft breweries with startup negotiations, incorporations, financing, trademarks, acquisitions, and more. If you operate or want to operate a craft brewery, talk to BTM Lawyers to learn more. That's BTM Lawyers. Uh, dot com jd uh interesting week for the canucks lots to unpack in terms of injuries in terms of trades in terms of goaltenders of course uh but before we get to all of that how you doing my man well i'm uh i'm kind of feeling the canucks uh injury woes on this one on a personal level here yeah. playing through the pain uh tsn wanted to put me on the ir but i came in with uh, the common cold and and I'm ready to do the show. We couldn't find we couldn't find an emergency loan anywhere. So no, no. We kind of got caught with our pants down with that one. But kind of uh, like the Canucks on Monday yeah. when they had to start Michael DiPietro. There Absolutely. was no Merrick Mazanitz in the wings waiting to uh, step in. Is that how you? Because I am just lost on how to pronounce w- that. With name. those checks, you always assume that the C at the end of the name okay. is like the. S- Okay, gotcha. We'll get to Goalie Gate in just a moment. First, let's get you updated on the Subway Fresh Take poll question today. We asked you, do you want the Canucks to re-sign Alex Edler? And, of course, with the emergence that we've seen uh, this season with Ben Hutton and lately with Troy Stetcher as well, we want you guys to keep in mind, though, that if you are going to sign Alex, if the Canucks are going to be able to sign Alex Edler, you're not going to get a one-year contract uh, re-signed for Alex Edler or a two. It's going to have to be three, I think, at the bare minimum for what will be a 33-year-old Alex Edler come April. Uh, right now, 392 votes. It's only been up for about 20 minutes. Uh, 60% of you saying yes. And there are some interesting replies, ideally two years. That comes from uh, Dollywall91. Knucklehead is saying, I'm torn. And uh, at Kevin K.M. McCormick is saying three years tops, and that's probably uh, the idea. But, I mean, they're definitely going to be pushing uh, for a fourth year. So uh, log on to TSN or actually onto Twitter at TSN 1040 and cast your vote for that. Let's get into the back check. Canucks, a uh, busy week, three games played. Of course, the fourth being tonight against uh, San Jose. They met those Sharks earlier in the week on the road in what we will call goalie gate in what was a 7-2 thrashing at the hands of the Sharks. Uh, Jake Markstrom had lower body tightness. He was on the bench, apparently was available, but Travis Green said he was not going to play him. So 19-year-old Mikey DiPietro gets his first NHL start, whether he liked it or not, Uh, only made 17 stops, faced 24 uh, shots on goal. uh, It was 3-0 less than 10 minutes into the game. The Sharks had three goals on their first five shots. 
Of course, the Sharks are the highest-scoring team in the NHL since Christmas. Zach McEwen made his NHL debut, which kind of got lost in the shuffle a bit because of uh, the DiPietro news. He did have one assist in the game, but uh, wow. What a tough start for young Mikey DiPietro, who was thrown to the Sharks, literally. And, you know, not the kind of NHL debut that he wanted to have. Post-game, the kid was great. Yep. Said all the right things. And he's got a great head on his shoulders, too. That's the thing. Like, if there was anybody who was a 19-year-old goalie, a third-round pick, somebody not expected to be thrust into this situation, I don't know if there's anybody better equipped to handle that than a Mikey DiPietro. The thing that I don't quite understand from the Canucks' perspective is that Mike McKenna, when they acquired him from the Philadelphia Flyers, that was five weeks ago. Yeah. They had over five weeks to find a substitute to back up Jacob Markstrom in the event of an injury like the one that he sustained, that Thatcher Demko sustained in, in the warm-ups against Philadelphia. And, look, I, I, I have some sympathy for the, the argument that the Canucks didn't think that Michael Layton's game at 37 years old would translate to the NHL, but you're talking about one hockey game. And now they've gone out and they've acquired Merrick Mazanitz, and I'm yeah. not going to be pearl-clutching over a seventh-round pick, but at the end of the day, all they had to do was sign Michael Layton to play one hockey game, and they could have kept that seventh-round pick that they acquired from the Anaheim Ducks in the Luke Shen-Michael Delzato trade. So it's just another another bleeding of value around the edges. Again, I'm not exactly pearl-clutching over this one, but it just speaks to the, the this management group and the way that they have struggled to find value where others succeed, and I think that's going to be a huge factor going forward for this Canucks team when you look at players like Pedersen, like Besser, like Horvat when they have to insulate them with a core, this is another moment that kind of shatters your confidence and says, do they have the ability to get out in front of situations and be proactive, or are they constantly going to be reacting, going to be constantly caught with their pants down on the fly? And I think it's an embarrassing situation for everybody involved, but full marks to Mikey DiPietro, who handled the situation about as well as you could ever hope for a 19-year-old in a very difficult position. Yeah, we got Jason Botsford on the line, so uh, we're going to go through this really quickly here. Wednesday, a back-to-back uh, after the, or excuse me, the start, a start of a back-to-back. Uh, boiled by the Canucks, Kevin Boyle, first career NHL start and shutout. Uh, and then they lose Chris Tanev to injury. And then Thursday night, uh, the Canucks rebound with a 4-3 shootout win in, in a game that, uh, do you like Brolius, by the way, as a, nope. a, a Brock and, and Elias? I don't know, someone Hate brought it. that up to us. Uh, but it was their game, and uh, Pedersen and Besser, uh, both score in the shootout for the win. Uh, but let's get to Botch right now because there's so much to unpack uh, from the week and, and things that are happening today as well. Uh, Botch, welcome to Rinkwai. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, guys, yeah, what's going on? Oh, you've lots going on if you're the uh, Vancouver Canucks right now. Of course, uh, let's start really? with let's start with the trade today. Uh, Sam Gagne headed to the Oilers for Ryan Spooner. Uh, just your general thoughts on on the trade itself. Uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's more the same it's it's um it's a pretty safe move it's um i'm not uh it's kind of meh move for me um and i think it kind of fits in with the mo of the organization mo of the regime like these are the kind of moves uh that they've made over the last three and a half years generally it's they're trading players that have gone out of favor um and uh, they're acquiring uh projects reclamation projects and there haven't been there haven't been many that have worked out so i have my doubts whether this one works out but um hey another bottom nine winger great add them to the list it's all kind of meshing together 
Um, I just feel like sometimes I'm swimming in a sea of Grandlands, and uh, this is another one to add to the list. So, um, as you can see, I'm not ecstatic about it. I'm ha- happy for God, happy for both those guys. They're going to get an opportunity to play. Bennings loved Spooner forever. Uh, I would think the one takeaway that I a couple takeaways I would have on on that is that Benning thinks Spooner's a good player, so we'll see if he's right. He's thought that for a long time, and uh, I'm not quite sure. Like, I'm not as convinced as he seems to be that Spooner's going to be a Travis Green type of guy. Um, he's pretty soft. Uh, he's, he's you know, uh, I, I certainly don't think he's, he's going to add some of the elements that Green has found lacking uh, in the team and in his forward group. Uh, but we'll see. He's going to get an opportunity here. I see Vertanen's on IR. Uh, Berchie's season is in jeopardy. Um, and they have a chance to get get some guys like him opportunity. I certainly don't like all of that's fine. Like, uh, you know, all this, if you want to move Gagne and he wasn't going to play again and he can't help your 27th ranked overall power play. The funny thing with Gagne is he's, he's actually, his story is like a Benning, like this regime's dream. Like he was a reclamation project for Columbus and it worked. He had 50 points. He helped their power play. He was great. Uh, that season in a super sheltered role, a role that uh, I actually like that role for, for uh, Goldobin, if you could kind of create it, a, you know, an offensive sheltered fourth line where guys help out on the power play. Uh, I'm, I'm of the of the mind that Goldobin can be out of his depth sometimes uh, in the top six. Um, but anyways, Gagne uh, did great, and he did so well. The Canucks gave this big, fat three-year contract, um, and uh, they never used them like Columbus used them. So that's frustrating, and I think that was frustrating for him. And, um, you know, I look at where the power play's gone here. It's, it's honestly amazing uh, when you take uh, Pedersen out of the power play. You know, So that includes the second unit and all the time he's been injured. And um, they're a plus two on the season? Like, that that's bananas. Like, <laughs> like we're the season's like three-quarters of the way over, uh, of, the, of its way over. And they're a plus two on the power play without Patterson. I really don't see Spooner helping in that area. Uh, and uh, the other thing that got me was Benning saying that uh, Spooner's young and at 27, to which I immediately think if he thinks 27 is young, it means he doesn't think 30 is old. And that's got all kinds of impl- implications, including Chris Tanev, including Alex Edler, and including who they might chase in free agency. Rink wide, powered by BTM Lawyers. We're speaking with Jason Botchford of the Athletic Vancouver. Uh, Jason, last night on the newest edition of the podcast, you dropped a little bit of information concerning uh, somebody who the Canucks might be looking to deal as a reclamation project for another franchise potentially, and that would be Erica Branson. And you were discussing the possibility that the Canucks were looking at a package that included a top four defense, top four defenseman plus. Uh, yeah, I know. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's I, I was talking about like what what they were asking for Good Branson and uh, you know what they were talking about, and um, you know, you're not, if that's what you're asking for, you're not going to trade Good Branson. Well, can you but can you take us through that at all? Do you up. have any idea of of the the degree of interest out there in the market, and perhaps even the degree to which the Canucks are actively trying to move this contract? Are they doing it dragging their feet, or are they out there working the phones aggressively, getting in front of this situation and? and really taking it on as a project. 
No, I don't think they're doing that. I don't think that they've done that with any players with term who play regularly. I certainly haven't seen it. I've gone through back through all their trades in the last three and a half years. I don't see any examples of them proactively being aggressive and trying to move uh, players with the team. Um, I'm sure they take calls. And um, and like I said, like look, it, it's a pretty simple situation here. If you ask for a top four defenseman for Eric and Branson plus a really good forward or something else that's really good do you think you're trading eric and branson i would say no does that sound like someone that's motivated to trade him i would say no so i i think that that you know if, if you if you break down that bit of news or that nugget uh, i think you can draw your own conclusions and um so I, i'm not holding out hope that they they trade good branson I, you know I, i'm quite clear on this stance. I think I don't think it's going to get any better. I don't think it's going to get any better this year, next year, the year after. So uh, I would be looking long and hard on that. Um, we obviously value his pushback. I, I, Babich is a longtime scout. He was major role in player development. I heard him on that, that 1040 earlier today. He was going on about what a good player Branson is and how he tried to talk Mike Gillis into acquiring him. So I would use that to suggest to people that he still has value. Uh, I see John Shannon had that quote about his season being better than anticipated. Again, I think that that shows to me that, uh, that there are, that, that indicates to me that there are a lot of people in the, around the NHL who think that Gabranson can still help teams. So I do think he has value. I don't think you're getting a top four defenseman plus for him. No, absolutely not. Uh, our poll question today, we asked, uh, do you want the Canucks to re-sign Alex Edler? Where do you sit on Alex Edler? Do you see... Uh, a scenario where Edler is not with the Canucks next year? Uh, not with the Canucks. No, I mean, they're going to sign him. It's just, what are they going to sign him for? Yeah. Uh, I'm in the midst of a project going through every defenseman that was has been signed for multi-year contracts, 32 to 35, and it's bleak. It's really bleak. Most of them don't work out. Most of them are failing uh, spectacularly. Uh, you know, one of the ones we've come across is Matthias Olin, signed for seven years. He retired the next year. There's lots of cases like that. Possible. Guys, thirty years, thirty years is old in the NHL. Yeah. Well, okay? how come how come you can go through you know something like this and draw those conclusions and they can't? Well, we'll see, man. Like I, uh, I'm not going to give it all away. I think that there's there's some good comparables that we've come up with that would make a deal reasonable. Uh, people that I trust around the league think he's worth three years, 4.5. I think it would be reasonable to, to give him a two-year deal, five and change. Um, and if it's not that, then you're playing with fire. Uh, I've heard some people suggest he could get four or five years on the open market. There's no way. 33-year-old defensemen do not sign for five years, not very often. And so uh, I do think he's having a great year, a bit of a renaissance year. Uh, his wins above replacement is his best since 2011, and in fact compares fair, favorably to that year. Uh, so that's good, but it also shows you it could be a bit of an outlier, right? Like you can't expect that to happen if he's had this, you know, bounce back season that could be impacted by his, how many times he is on with Pedersen, how many power play shifts he plays with Pedersen. All of those things factor into it. Um, to expect him to be able to do that again next year and the year after, I think, is a bit much. Um, so I'm worried. I'm, I'm super worried about a Chris Tanev extension as well. I think that that's super risky business. He's not, he's not where he is. And, and the other thing that you have to factor in, like when you guys look at the, like the Matt Cain models and other you know, models out there, 
they don't always properly factor in the, the, the some of the, the fringe circumstances here, which include age and include like the, the wear and tear that these two guys have had. Like they're injured every single year. So you can't sign them to extensions and, and then throw up your hands in 2021, 22, when they get hurt again. They get hurt every year. It happens every year, man. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, well, well, you're the big yeah. beef guy, and Haynes, he's always healthy. Like, he yeah. always plays 80 games, man. He's a machine. There's guys out there that are do it. What happens is, like, Tanev's hit a lot. Like, that was the one of the big stories of his career uh, early on. Like, how many times he gets hit? How many times he gets hit? Well, guess what? Guys that get hit a lot get, you know, break down earlier. Uh, and I think that they, you've seen a lot of that with Chris Tanev. Yeah, career high of 70 games played for him. That's his best ever. Um, so as we approach the trade deadline, then Botch, re- real realistically, who do you think the Canucks can move if they're going to move anyone? I mean, they can move anyone they want. They could move Sutter. They could move Granlin. They could move Gabranson. They, they, all the guys are movable. Everything's movable. Cody yeah. McLeod goes for a seventh, man. Like yeah. if you if you're motivated, and you want to move someone, you want to move out there, you can. Well, well that's they? the question, no. though. Who are they motivated on? No, on moving, nothing's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing's going to happen. Just look at the last three and a half years. It's, it's mostly the same story. Look at the players that they've traded. Um, is there any motivation to trade anyone on this roster? No. There's, they got ever an expiring deal, but they want to extend them. So what's it going to be? It's going to be like Spooner for Gagne. It's going to be that that kind of deal, I think, anyway. That, that's the kind of deal that you'll see before the trade deadline. Well, if the Canucks are looking at anything rather than selling off assets, which we know they're not incredibly interested in, especially if you look at their past deadlines. I don't know if the the Tyler Mott trade qualifies, certainly. But what do you think the Canucks are out there looking for at the trade deadline? Because we've seen in years past, Jim Benning, like the the Sven Berchi for a second. Spooners, they're out for reclamation projects. They're out for guys that are cheap uh, for nothing. Maybe a defenseman like that who fits that same kind of scenario. That's that's what they're after. Just Mott. a bargain bin. Man, that's what, like it's it's never not the bargain bin. When has it yeah. ever not been the bargain bin? Like, no, you're you're right. That's like fair. when? Like it's the same. Like you can't. I don't think it's going to be some big dramatic difference. But they're always shopping. They're always shopping at the dollar store, and that's why they haven't had, like, oh, look at all these defensemen that they've added who can't play. Yeah, because they're at the same dollar store every single time, hoping that Delgado will work out, you know, hoping that Puglia will work out. Now it's hoping that Spooner will work out. Like, you you just, you look, like, I I wish it was different. I wish they were out there trying to get draft picks. I wish they played to their strengths. I wish they said, you know what, like, we need picks. But... Well, you know, I, I don't see that happening. And and maybe Spooner works out. And maybe it's he's really good down the stretch. But I think in the big picture overall, it's not going to make them better, I don't think. And I don't think it's going to get them closer to the ultimate goal, which has to be trying to win a Stanley Cup. Absolutely. Well, Botch, thanks for uh, making your debut here with us on Rinkwide. Uh, going to be an interesting trade deadline. I don't really – I think you're right. I don't really expect a whole lot of moves uh, from the Canucks. We'll see. And uh, we'll see how they fare tonight against the Sharks. Thanks for joining us. Okay. That's perfect. Jason Botchford from The Athletic making his debut here on Rinkwide. Of course, Botch is on the station quite a bit on various shows, but he, he, he speaks a lot of truth, uh, J.D., and yeah. I, I know it sounds bleak, and and uh, you know, and that's one of the things that the fan base kind of gets on uh, a lot of people in the media for is you know, hey guys, you're always so negative, this and that. But like, was anything he said untrue? It, it, that's the thing. It's really hard to 
find a positive when you know it's the same old same old and then when you see a trade like this and don't get me wrong like Sam Gagne wasn't in the Canucks plans they have some depth at center right now of course we're seeing you know Adam I got him in my opinion we talked about it on Sakaris and Price yesterday we don't ready we don't believe he's going anywhere I mean if you look at the goal the other night that he set up like Botch made the point uh, I believe it was a couple days ago like you don't, you know, Brandon Sutter doesn't make that pass. No. So it's nice to have that's Adam Gaudet there. Brandon Sutter. But Sam Gagne, in my opinion, is still an NHL hockey player, and there was he had no no business being down in the AHL. Whether you agree with that or not, but the thing is, though, is that we're here we are approaching this trade deadline. The Canucks are kind of in a playoff race, sort of. It's a turtle race, as we know. But they have these assets, and it's like Bot says, they're not really gonna doing anything with them. And at the end of the day, you kind of just throw your hands up like, I don't I just, were we going to do the same thing over and over again? Yeah. Like, so. uh, unfortunately, it seems to be the case. And, and you know, even, even further backing up Botchford's points, you look at the Canucks broadcast the other night, and they were talking in the intermission about what exactly Jim Benning is going to do with this deadline. And one of their analysts suggested, hey, even if this team is out of the playoff chase, they are not interested in selling. They're not interested in acquiring picks. They'll stand pat. How maddening is that to hear? Like, it, it's one of those moments, and I, and I use this reference a lot, and it certainly applies to this Canucks team, where I feel like Mugatu in Zoolander, like I'm taking crazy pills. <laughs> How does that sound right? <laughs> like a, a team in the Canucks position that is this injured, that is performing this poorly, that has no chance at the playoffs, and if they get in, they're going to get two games of home revenue, and then they're going to get squashed. But there's still those out there that are just like, you know what, you just got to get in. You know, we'll see what happens. But I mean, but th- they get better. Yeah, it's addition by yeah. subtraction. No, I, I, I definitely agree. We got to take a short break here, guys. When we come back, we'll get you caught up on the injury report. It's lengthy, trust me. And we'll ride the bus down to Utica and talk to our man Ben Bernal from the Utica Observer Dispatch. You're listening to Rinkwide right here on TSN 1040. Legal. Welcome back to Rinkwide. Andrew Wand alongside JD Burke, Corey Basso, on the uh, on the ones and twos as we just said behind the board uh, with some crisscross as we. Uh, Ride the bus to Utica in just a moment. We're going to talk to Ben Burnell uh, from the Utica Observer Dispatch, get you caught up on what's happening with the Comets. But first, whew, this injury report, J.D., it's going to be a lengthy one, so get at it. It's, it's about a mile long, so, so bear with me here. Alexander Edler left in a February 4th loss to the Flyers in the third period after getting tangled up with a Philadelphia Flyer forward and awkwardly crashing face first on the ice. Edler suffered two separate cuts to his face, and is currently on the mend with a concussion. Now, that was supposed to be about a 10-day timeline for his recovery. We haven't heard any updates yet as it concerns his status. We will provide them for you as soon as we get them. Uh, Sven Berchi went home ahead of the Canucks' February 2nd match with the Flyers after not feeling well following the Saturday tilt with the Colorado Avalanche. The Canucks have since revealed that Berchi has been diagnosed with post-concussion syndrome and will be out for an indeterminate, though undoubtedly long period of time as he recovers rink wide of course wishing him the best in his recovery concussions are not to be trifled with and you hate to see it happen to a good a good guy like Sven Berchi and a good soldier for the Canucks in all these years Thatcher Demko is on the mend with an MCL sprain he sustained that during the warm-up on February 4th ahead of the Canucks match with the Philadelphia Flyers and he went home for further examination shortly thereafter where it was revealed that he suffered a sprained MCL the original timeline was supposed to be about 10 days, which would have him available for the Canucks as soon as tomorrow. 
although with the lack of a recent update on Demco's status, I have to imagine that's getting pushed back a bit. Uh, it was also revealed before Monday night's loss to the San Jose Sharks that Brandon Sutter would be absent from the lineup, and now we know why. He suffered a groin strain and is expected to sit out a minimum of two weeks. Chris Tanev, meanwhile, left that, uh, Thursday night's 1-0 loss against the Ducks in the third period after a Ducks forward fell on his ankle, and he's been placed on IR, but no update as it concerns the severity of the injury or the timeline. And lastly, Jacob Markstrom, we mentioned it earlier in the first segment as we looked at the, the situation that unfolded that had Mikey DiPietro in net on Monday. Jacob Markstrom just dealing with some lower body, what was it, stiffness, tightness? Yeah, uh, stiffness, uh, yep. yeah something yep. to that effect. He's just a little banged up, suffice to say, playing through the pain and playing some excellent hockey at that. One. Uh, yeah, I just want to let you guys know Rink White is presented by BTM Lawyers LLP. If you've been injured in an accident, choose the firm that knows the score. You can find them at btmlawyers.com. And this segment is brought to you by Steamworks Brewing. Steamworks has just launched the perfect beer to celebrate a Canucks win or drown your sorrows in after a loss. It's their new premium craft lager, which I used in my Shotgun Jake video, which is lagered for 34 it's great days. great for shotgunning. Yeah, absolutely, resulting in an awesome flavor. Crisp finish because great taste takes time let's get to Utica now get you caught up on what's happening with the Comets Ben Burnell uh, joins the show now and a regular uh, with us here on Rinkwide Ben thanks for joining us again hey guys thanks for having me how are you absolutely love having you on let's get uh, everyone caught up in what happened with the uh, Comets this week two games played 1-0-1 they're still third in the North Division 60 points, and we saw Jonah Gadjevich score his first goal since November 9th in a 4-1 win on Wednesday over the Laval Rocket. Let's get an update on uh, how Mr. Gadjevich is looking right now, Ben. Well, I think uh, this last game was was easily one of his best uh, with the team. I mean, he had the goal, and then he almost had another one in the third period. And then he got into uh, a little uh, fight toward the end of the game uh, that he looked uh, pretty good in. And, I mean, that's that's kind of his game, that big, strong physical game, right? So uh, he looked pretty good, uh, and it seems like he's he's gaining more confidence as he goes along, and I think that's only going to serve him well, um, you know, as they get down the stretch here. Do you feel that uh, maybe his days of riding or up in the press box might be done with the Comets right now? You know, I it, – it, it, you can never tell, I guess. It's yeah. it's one of those things that's that anything is possible, right? So um, I, I know talking to Trent Call, he, he said, you know, Jonah's doing, uh, you know, whatever he can to uh, send a message to the team or to him to, you know, kind of stay in the lineup uh, going forward. So uh, Jonah was all over the ice, uh, you know, in the last game. And I think if he continues to play well, it's only going to keep him in the lineup. Rink-wide, powered by BCM Lawyers. We're joined by Ben Burnell of the Utica Observer Dispatch. And I guess the question that really is going to be at the crux of Jonah Gadjevich's career and whether he makes it as a successful NHLer is where is the skating at? Because that was the big concern going into his draft year. Part of the reason he was a second-round pick when he had production that screamed first round. Where is he at right now with the Utica Comets and his, his footwork, his skating? Has he improved his acceleration? What can you say about Gadjevich there? Um, it's gotten better since the season uh, has started. Uh, you know, it's something I think he's going to continue to work on uh, as he goes forward. Um, but, um, you know, he, he looks a little bit more faster uh, recently. And I think that um, has helped him. Um, so I, I think, you know, if he continues to get more opportunities, I mean, he's been on the power play 
uh, like the other guys have, uh, the other young guys have been. So um, I, I think if he continues to kind of put this all together, um, he's going to, he's going to start to get more opportunities. Now, a lot of people out here in Vancouver love to know what's happening with Jonathan Dolan. Can let you know that he's on a five-game point streak, but he's last on the team with a minus 13 and plus-minus. Uh, what's some positives that you've been seeing from Dolan's game, especially riding this uh, current hot streak? Well, the, the offensive skill is there. I think that's, a, that's something that's always been there with, with Jonathan. Um, I, you know, he continues to work on, on the defensive side of his game. And, you know, being strong uh, away from the puck and, it, you know, something that he's talked about working on. Um, and I think it's starting to click with him. And, um, you know, that's that's something, too, that as he continues to build that part of his game, um, it's going to help him uh, maybe even get the puck more. Uh, but he's got a got a great shot and, you know, skates well and he seems like a a smart hockey player. It's it's maybe being more consistent um, as the season goes on. Rink-wide, powered by BTM Lawyers. We're speaking with Ben Burnell. Ben, what can you tell us about Ashton Sautner and Jalen Chatfield, a pair of Utica Comets defensemen who just came back recently, within, uh, returning from injuries, rather, and two players who Jim Benning has, has publicly stated he would like to see get a look with the Canucks down the stretch? Well, with Ashton Sautner, he looks like he hasn't uh, missed any time at all. I mean, he came back in and, and was playing uh, the, the strong physical game that uh, he's known for. And, you know, just a poised player, always seems to make a great pass, first pass. And, you know, he, he jumps up a little bit in the offense, uh, not a lot. But, I mean, his, he, he's been a solid guy back there for him. And I thought him and Luke Shen uh, formed a nice pair uh, when, you know, Ashton got back in the lineup and, and Shen was here. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, who they pair him with now that uh, Shen's uh, up with the Canucks uh, with Jalen Chatfield. I mean, he's got the, the more of the offensive upside and he'll jump up into the play a little bit more, but uh, I think he's kind of had a little bit of a, maybe a tough time uh, since he's come back. There've been a couple defensive plays that I think he'd like to have back. There was one that, guy came across the crease and and uh you know Jalen was in his way uh and it kind of got around him and then there was another one where a uh, a puck bounced off his skate and went in so uh it, it's been kind of maybe a little bit tougher for him but I, I think he's slowly finding his his way back after uh long injury absence too Adam Gaudet recently recalled again by the Canucks looks to be maybe his last time having to be recalled uh, from Utica in his time back with the Comets. Uh, what did you notice about his game and how he's, uh, he seems to be a lot more confident this time around uh, coming back up with the big club? Yeah, that's kind of what I noticed too, uh, that that confidence seemed to be um, there more. I mean, that's one of those guys too where the offensive skill is always, always there. And, and I, I think he was working on his game and I know, in talking to him, he said playing at the uh, AHL level and then, you know, even earlier in the season when he was playing with the Canucks, it, it helped him kind of grow his game a little bit more, um, you know, just working on uh, all aspects of it. And, you know, I certainly think it's helped him because I think he looked good in his, uh, his return with the Canucks. Oh, absolutely. He had a great game. Uh, he had a great week, actually, uh, 
uh, with the Canucks. Uh, well, last question from from me, uh, Michael Layton. Uh, of course, with the situation that happened with the Canucks goaltending and how they had to end up bringing on a 19-year-old Mikey DiPietro from the OHL, an emergency loan. Then he gets that game against the Sharks where he gets shelled. Um, what what have you seen from Michael Layton? Of course, he's been in the NHL before. Was he, in your opinion, an NHL option for the Canucks, or do you think that you know the reason why they didn't you know waste a contract on him was because of the fact that he's just not an NHL goaltender anymore? Well, I think he's he's a guy that you know you you talk to him and he when he first came down here and he said he was close to possibly retiring. So you pull a guy out from kind of that uh, that situation and you know it's just, it's it's something where i don't know if the canucks maybe wanted to to see a little bit more from him or just maybe didn't want to go down that path um but i certainly think uh he's played well lately he's won i it's four in a row um and he's been solid i mean the other night he didn't face a lot of shots but you know the, the defense helped keep shots to the outside which helped him a lot so i think he continues to play well and i i think he's been a boost for the comets um with, with Ivan Kulikov too. Uh, it'll be interesting to see kind of what happens going forward um, when um, Mazenik, uh ends up coming down. You know, I, I would be willing to guess maybe they'd like to keep Leighton around, but, you know, like uh, anything is possible in the AHL. So uh, we'll see what happens. All right, Ben, good stuff as usual. We'll let you get to it. About 15 minutes uh, till puck drop uh, for the Comets and the Wilkes-Barre-Scranton penguins thanks again for joining us and we'll we'll definitely have you back again awesome thanks guys have a good night ben burnell from the utica observer dispatch we got a little bit of time after the break to take your phone calls you guys want to get in on the conversation 604-280-1040 or toll free 844-876-1040 and of course you can always reach us in the brain and injury law inbox by texting 104040 uh before we throw the break here let's get you caught up on the subway fresh take poll question we want to hear from you guys on that as well at tsn 1040 on Twitter, we asked you, do you want the Canucks to re-sign Alex Edler? 61% of you right now saying yes. That's uh, 970 votes in less than an hour. So uh, thanks for joining in on the conversation on that one. Uh, Nuck My Life 88. That's uh, John O saying two years, 8 to 10 mil is my guess. I'll tell you what, if they can get that deal right there, I would That's be all not for happening. it. I'd be all for it. Uh, but it might be wishful thinking, though. Uh, when we come back, guys, uh, we take your phone calls, and uh, we'll let you know who crushed it this week. You're listening to Rinkwide right here on TSN 1040. Yeah, welcome back to Rinkwide, the show that always scores, unlike the Canucks, at Anaheim Ducks game. Ooh, that was a dog. And you know what? You just knew it once they said that that was Kevin Boyle's first start. The Boiler! You just knew yeah. the Canucks were getting shut out. Yeah. They're good like that. They love to give those, you know, young goaltenders the... Uh, they love the, to make it easy the on bagel. You know what, though? I mean, big shout-out to my, my good buddy, uh, Wyatt Arndt. He writes uh, yep. the, the Athletes in lieu he's of the, Jason Botcher. He's, he's going to be bullpen. on it. Yeah, yep. he's yep. going to be on it tonight, and he called it. He tweeted it out as immediately as yeah. they stated it was his first game. Uh, Rinkwide, of course, is brought to you by BTM Lawyers. Some lawyers bring you repeated hockey lockouts. I'm looking at you, Gary Bettman. Other lawyers bring you two hours of great hockey radio every week on the Rinkwide Radio Show. And, of course, you can catch the podcast available on iTunes and on tsn1040.ca. That's BTM Lawyers. Find the lawyers you like online at BTM Lawyers. 
Sports.com. And this segment is brought to you by Molecule Sports. Molecule Sports offer high-performance apparel, wash, and refresh solutions that use science to beat the odor and other things living in your gear bag. Don't let your gear do you harm and discover Molecule at MoleculeSports.ca. I know you got a little promotional uh, discount code to get. We'll get to that in a moment. Let, before we do that, uh, let's let you know who crushed it this week. I got two names on my list this week, J.D. Troy Stetcher makes the list for the first time this year. Stetcher versus Anaheim and L.A. Check this out. Average 30 minutes, 30 seconds of time on ice. Wow. wow, he's really putting in the work for uh, Stetch. Uh, three games played, two assists on the week, and, of course, a regular to the Who Crushed It segment is Elias Patterson. A goal, an assist, two points, and a shootout goal versus L.A. Three games played this week, three points. 48 games played this season, 53 points, almost even, 26 goals, 27 assists in a season that, uh, I mean, you know, a lot of us were anticipating that this kid was going to be a, a very good player for the Canucks. Some of us said 40 points would be an amazing season. Nobody saw this coming, I don't think. Nope. Uh, and he's, I think, I believe he's leading, leading the rookie scoring race by like 20 points right now. So just hand him the Calder already. That's who crushed it uh, this week. Uh, I know you got some uh, discount codes uh, for the people from Molecule Sports. Fill them in on it. Yeah, that's right. Our good friends at Molecule Sports are, are making their products available to you at a discounted rate. They love the show. They love being involved in hockey, and they want to pay that forward to the audience. So you get 30% off of your first purchase at MoleculeSports.ca. Again, that is MoleculeSports.ca using the promo code RINKWIDE. And they've got great, great uh, solutions for your hockey gear if you want to keep it fresh you want to keep it durable you want it to last long these are the guys to make it happen and you're also going to get a free gift of a four ounce travel pack of our wash and refresh products great for gear base layers shoes skates etc if you wear it molecule sports is there to make it last longer smell better and perform at its best well there you have it uh we're going to take a short break here guys before we do that let you know what's happening with the fresh take Subway Fresh Take poll question. Do you want the Canucks to re-sign Alex Edler is what we asked you today. Over 1,000 votes, 60% of you saying yes. So a lot of people really want to keep him in the fold. Uh, we'll see if they can do it uh, in less than, you know, three years. I think that uh, three years would be uh, – I mean, to yeah. me, it, to me, it's got to be a two-year deal. Two no, is tops. Nothing higher. I, w I don't mind overspending if that's the case. And, like, uh, you know, uh, Nuck My Life 88, I like that handle, uh, suggested. Two years, 8 to 10 million would be my guess. If they can do that, giddy up. I do that all day. All right, when we come back, we're going to tee up the Canucks and the Sharks. We're going to head down to San Jose, talk to Kevin Kurz from The Athletic in San Francisco. Keep it locked right here, guys. You're listening to Rinkwide, TSN 1040. All right, let's go to the Bay Area. Talk to Kevin Kurz from The Athletic in San Francisco as we tee up the Canucks and the Sharks tonight. Kevin, thanks for joining Rinkwide today. Sure, no problem. All right, so let's uh, let's get to the meat of this right now. The San Jose Sharks, of course, uh, took the Canucks to the woodshed uh, earlier in the, la the week of the 7-2 win. The Sharks are as hot as Hansel right now. Uh, the highest-scoring team in the NHL since the uh, Christmas break. Um, you know, what is it about this Sharks team right now that they've, you know, I, want, I don't want to say turned a corner, but maybe upped it, the, uh, the, the, their momentum because they're playing some great hockey right now. Yeah, you know, really it started around early December for this team, and they made a couple moves 
that, you know, a couple things happened right around then that were notable. Um, you know, first they played the game in Ottawa, which was Eric Carlson's reunion game. Um, and, you know, I, I think him putting that game behind him really allowed him to, uh, you know, become more acclimated to his new surroundings. And he really took off. And he was out there for a little while with a groin injury, but he'll be back tonight. Um, but really in December, he was probably their best player, really right up until uh, he got hurt right before the All-Star break. Um, and, you know, a couple other things happened. They had a meeting with the general manager uh, in Montreal the morning of December 2nd. Uh, you know, you could tell he wasn't very happy at the time after that loss in Ottawa. And the coaching staff kind of shuffled things up. Uh, you know, it was sort of an unprecedented move where three-fourths of the coaching staff changed their primary responsibilities. So you know, all those things happened in about a four-day span. And I don't know if it was any one of those things or a combination of those things, but really this, it's been a different team from the start of December on. And, um, you know, everything's, everything's been going well. They've been getting scoring from up and down their lineup. Uh, their de- defensive structure has been a lot better. The one thing I think you'd like to see improve from this team moving forward is more steady goaltending. Um, but really that was pretty good too uh, coming out of the break uh, until that game in Washington uh, the other day where really uh, I think the whole team was outplayed in that loss. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about Martin Jones. Of course, he's a local boy out of North Vancouver, um, having his worst statistical year as a starting goaltender in the NHL, but yet the Sharks continue uh, to play well in front of him. Uh, There were some people suggesting on this station earlier in the week that Martin Jones might be on the other side of his career, and I don't agree with that. How about yourself? Yeah, it's way too early for for, uh, for for I think that sort of talk. Um, you know, he could be better. I don't think there's any doubt about it. Both the Sharks goalies could be better. But at the end of the day, uh, he's winning games. He's among the league leaders in games. Uh, maybe when you're getting five or six goals per night, uh, I don't know. Maybe psychologically, or you you know, you can allow three goals, and your team's probably going to win anyway. You know, who who the heck knows with some of these goaltenders, but. The thing with Martin Jones is he has been a big time or a big game goalie throughout his career. And traditionally, February is his best month. And he did get off to a real good start coming out of the All Star break. Uh, you know, the Sharks only allowed two goals per game in their first five games out of the break, uh, and they won all of them. So um, that included Martin Jones, who's, who played in four out of five of those. Um, and February is usually his best month. But you know, at the end of the day, this is a guy who's in the first year of a six-year contract. He's the franchise goalie. Um, he has shown to pick up his game in the playoffs in each of the three years that he's been here, so I think they're counting on that. Um, I, I would worry a little bit. You do wonder if they've at least tossed around the idea of bringing in a, maybe a more reliable veteran goaltender to back him up just in case he does get hurt or in case he does falter so we'll keep our eye on that but I, I don't think so I think they're going to stick with Jones uh, as the starter and, and, and Aaron Dell as the backup and um, you know, really there's no doubt in my mind that this is Jones's team and, and they're going to give him the bulk of the work over the the final few weeks here to get his game in order and uh, get ready for the playoffs where he's been so good throughout his career. Rink wide powered by BTM lawyers we're talking with Kevin Kurz of the Athletic San Francisco one of the things that stuck out to me when I looked at the this San Jose Sharks team is that they don't have many weaknesses. And I, I look at them, they're top five at controlling shot attempts at five on five, expected goals, every predictive metric out there, they're right at the top or near it. 
What do you think is the one area that the Sharks might be looking to improve upon as they get into this trade deadline? You kind of took the wind out of my sails when you mentioned that they <laughs> might look at a, a backup goaltender for Martin Jones. Aside from yeah. that, is there any other area where you think they might be looking to improve? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the most likely target area for them would be a depth forward. And I know that might be strange to say when they're, you know, third in the league in goals per game, but um you know, I think their fourth line could be a little bit better. They they made a move last year where they brought in Eric Fair, really kind of under the radar move. You know, not a, not the sexiest move at all, but they bring in Eric Fair, who had been in the minors uh, in Toronto's system there, and um, he fit in great as a fourth line center. And frankly, when the Sharks swept the Ducks in the first round last year, their fourth line was their best line, um, and that was centered by Eric Fair. So I think you could see a, a very minor move like that, where they could bring in a guy that could be uh, a fourth line center or a fourth line winger. I think they were inter- uh, interested in Brian Boyle, but his second round pick was too a little too high for Boyle. Um, it would be uncharacteristic for Doug Wilson to stand pat though. Um, every year he's been here, except for one, um, the Sharks have gone out and added uh, a body uh, at some point in February leading up to the trade deadline. So um, I'm sure he's looking, I'm sure he's making his calls. Um, but I think that's the one target area where you could potentially say these guys could use uh, another depth forward, a, a responsible two-way guy that uh, you know could also put the puck in the net every once in a while. A pickup for the Canuck, or for the uh, Sharks last year was local boy Evander Kane. Of course, he played uh, his junior hockey here with, with the Vancouver Giants, having a really good season right now. Uh, statistically, looking like he's going to have his best year points-wise and goal-wise. He's just four below his uh, career high of 30 set back in 2011-2012 when he was with the Jets. He's also racking up a ton of pims this year. Uh, what is it with Evander Kane right now? Why is he so feisty? And also, uh, yeah. he's also been able to get it done uh, on the scoreboard as well. Yeah, I mean, he's obviously got that mean streak in him, and that's something that this team welcomes. But with Kane, the offense really started taking off uh, once he was put on a line with Thomas Hurdle. Uh, and Hurdle, I think, has been probably the Sharks' best forward this season. Uh, right now, he's centering their most productive line at five-on-five, five, at least it has been the last month or so uh and Kane's been a beneficiary of that but you know Kane deserves deserves credit too he's been um he brings that speed power game uh he's uh you know he indicated to me at one point that he might there was maybe some health issues going on with him earlier in the year I'm not sure how extensive those were um but he's been you know everything I think the Sharks had hoped he would be to this point and you know he takes a lot of penalties but he's also drawn a lot and I do think he can cut down on some of the penalties there's no question about that but a lot of the penalties that he gets are, are coincidental minors or, um, you know, many times he's drawing penalties just with, you know, by using his legs and, um, you know, and, and skating. And, and, and obviously when he's skating, he's, when he's playing his best hockey. But, um, you know, he, he's on pace to, to easily surpass 30 goals. I think that's what the Sharks hoped for when they signed him to that seven-year uh, $49 million contract. They expect him to be a 30-goal player, a, an energy guy, a, a guy that um, – you know, backs the other teams off with his speed, and that's what he's been so far. Uh, I think he's been everything they expected at this point. Now, he's had some off-ice issues over the past years in, in Buffalo and with, uh, you know, the Atlanta slash uh, Winnipeg. Of course, he signed uh, with San Jose to that extension with them. Um, is it just a matter of that he just really likes the Bay Area and he likes the uh, Sharks organization, and that's what's kind of, you know, brought his game up to the next level? Well, you know, there's so much talk around here about the – 
the atmosphere in the dressing room and, and, you know, when the Sharks made that trade for him, Joe Thornton was the one picking him up at the airport at midnight. And, and this was Joe Thornton after he just had knee surgery and he was hobbling around on one leg. Um, and him and him and Joe had a relationship before Evander got here. But, you know, it's a real thing. I, I don't think it's it's any sort of overblown aspect of this team. I think um, it's a strong dressing room. They let guys be uh, whoever they want to be. And, and, and Doug Wilson and Pete DeBoer deserve a lot of credit for setting that culture that's been a culture of success here for so many years. Um, and I think Evander got here, and, and there's accountability in the dressing room. You know, they like to have fun, but you ask any of those guys when, you know, it's time to work, they, they work. And um, I think if, if a guy's dragging, uh, you know, not going full tilt or, or doing anything uh, that maybe he shouldn't be doing or blowing off, you know, getting late to meetings or anything like that, you know, the guys in the room led by Pavelski and Joe Thornton and, and Logan Couture too, and even Brent Burns still point, I think um, there is that accountability and, and maybe that's something that Evander needed. I, I don't know. I wasn't around him in Winnipeg or Buffalo, but I do know that he was never on a, a very good team before he got to San Jose. You know, he didn't play in a single playoff game until he came here last year. So I think, uh, you know, maybe the fact that this is a competitive team, a Stanley Cup contending team, has uh, sort of got his juices flowing a little bit because he has been good. Rink-wide, powered by BTM Lawyers. We're speaking with Kevin Kurz of the Athletic San Francisco. What can you tell us about the Eric Carlson situation? Got off to a bit of a cool start, but he really seems to have hit the stride with this San Jose Sharks team. Has there been any progress on a contract extension? Uh, any talks between the team and Carlson? You know what? They're keeping that super quiet uh, in terms of the contract stuff. He won't say a word about it. Um, the organization doesn't really ever talk about that stuff. So um, we'll see. Obviously, he can sign that eight-year extension after the trade deadline. Uh, I would think that's what something that you know the Sharks would like to do. Um, he did get off to a you know as far as the season, he did get off to a cold start. Uh, I think he had to play himself into shape a little bit. Um, Again, I think he had to get over that emotional uh, return to Ottawa, which happened on December 1st. Um, but after that, he's been he's been fantastic. Uh, again, I think he was their best player, really, from uh, early December through uh, when he hurt his groin just before the All Star break. Um, so yeah, he, he's been. I think he's been everything they had, had hoped he would be. I think he's enjoying his time here. You know, he really seemed at the All Star game. He really seemed to be enjoying himself, enjoying the company of his teammates, joking around up on the podium with, with Joe Pavelski and Brent Burns. And um, you can just see him in the dressing room, kind of his personality coming out and on the ice uh, with his teammates. I do think he's enjoying it here. Whether or not he enjoys it uh, enough to sign an eight-year contract extension, we'll see, because uh, it's pretty quiet on that front. Really, it has been that way uh, since the day he got here. He just has not wanted to talk about it whatsoever. Well, how does that affect the Sharks going into this deadline? Because you look at the Eric Carlson situation, they gave up a lot to get him. You got Joe Thornton, who isn't getting any younger, although he's still one hell of a player. All the credit to him. But without that contract extension in place, does that make this more of an all-in year for the San Jose Sharks as they look at this postseason? I don't think they've even made any bones about it that it, it, it is an all-in year. There, there's there's no question when they made that trade. Uh they're going for it this year. They want it this year, and they're going to do everything they can. And that's why I think they would be, again, you know, going in the trade deadline. I think they don't have many assets to dangle. They don't have 
first-round picks in each of the next two years because of the Keene and Carlson trades. Uh, there aren't too many top prospects in the system. Really, the only the only one that uh, I think you can look at and say, boy, that guy has a real chance to be an NHL star is Ryan Merkley, who they took in the first round last year. Other than that, it's a lot of you know B-level prospects up and down the organization, frankly. Um, so, you know, does the Carlson contract, you know, if he says I want to test the free agent market, I don't think it changes anything with the way that how the Sharks are going to operate this year. You know, they're, they're first place, or they were just in first place in the Western Conference. I know Calgary just passed them again, but uh, this is a team that thinks it can win the Stanley Cup and it's going to do everything it can. Uh, all of them are going to do everything they can from the front office on down, I think, to win it this year and then just see where the chips fall where they may uh, after it's over. Yeah, the, what's the future look like then for you know a player like Joe Pavelski at 34 years old to be a UFA next year? I mean, Joe Thornton at 39, still a very uh, productive player, and I kind of think that he sort of – uh, holds the cards in terms of whether he wants to come back, and I'm sure he would, you know, do it at a discounted rate. But you got a player like Timo Meyer that they got to sign, who's coming off his ELC after this year. Do you see a situation where, you know, regardless of what happens this year, even if they win a cup, is you know is Pavelski coming back, or you know what's going to happen with this team? I mean, obviously, winning a cup would be fantastic, and they can, you know, look at that stuff later on. But still, you kind of have that eye on the future, regardless of what happens. Yeah, and it's going to be tough for them to sign both Carlson and Pavelski. Uh, yeah. I think that would make it a little bit tricky. You know, Thornton, who knows what his future is at this point. Um, I don't think he's as gung-ho on, uh, you know, playing till 45 like he used to, like you said, he uh, used to say like he, he wanted to do. So um, it would be tricky. Obviously, Carlson would cost him a pretty penny. Pavelski is having, the, you know, he's at 30 goals already. So I think he would uh, – he would command a nice little salary. It would be tricky for them to sign them both. Timo Meyer is a restricted free agent. They're going to have to ink him. He's in that group of uh, RFAs that it's going to be interesting to see what happens with those guys in the offseason. So uh, it would make for a tricky uh, offseason for Wilson if, if Carlson, you know, regardless of Carlson, it's already setting up to be kind of a um, a tricky offseason. But they're not focused on that right now. They're focused on this team trying to win a Stanley Cup, and I think they'll uh, – you know, they'll worry about that stuff uh, a couple months from now. Yeah, absolutely. Well, they definitely have the horses to make a, a good run in the playoffs, and they're playing fantastic hockey right now. Going to be a tough one for the Canucks tonight. Uh, Kevin, thanks for joining us today. Yep, you got it. Take care. Kevin Kurz from The Athletic in San Francisco. Of course, he uh, uh, covers the San Jose Sharks in the Bay Area. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, you can look at the future all you want. But right now, the eye is on the prize uh, for the San Jose Sharks, and they definitely have the team uh, to make a deep run. I know they haven't had, you know, the most success in the playoffs uh, over They've the come years. Close. Come close. No cigar, though. And, of course, we're familiar with that here in Vancouver. Yeah. But uh, this team this year, uh, a high-octane offensive team, and if they just get a bit of goaltending – uh, from Martin Jones, wow, they could they could really make a deep run. That that really is the big concern for me if I'm yeah. looking at the San Jose Sharks team because they're top five in expected goals, they're top five in uh, shot attempts at five on five. They are 31st in the league in five on five save percentage. That is as low as it gets. Yeah, I I I don't know if they have to go all in and, and chase a Sergei Bobrovsky or no, whether they even not. have the no, resources. No, but what about a, a Jimmy Howard? I could see Jimmy. Yeah, Howard but they don't have a first round pick, and I, I get the feeling Detroit's going to want a first round pick for Howard. The goalie market will never give give a first round. Yeah, pick you're for probably right about Jimmy that. Howard. I think they could pull yeah. that off. Yeah, 
You don't, you don't have any faith in Arundel as, as their backup as well? Or? You know what? Arundel is a funny story to me because in years past, he was somebody who was always at the top of the five-on-five save percentage chart. But much like Martin Jones, he's really struggling this season, and now they don't really have a, a backup plan. And I think the, the fact that Arundel has that past, and he's a bit older. Uh, he's only been in the league for, I think, two or three seasons now, but he's getting up there in age. I think you got to look for a backup option. I really do. Okay, I, I want to pose this question to you. San Jose currently is second in the Pacific Division, two points behind uh, the Calgary Flames, who uh, I believe won today. I, I think that game is over now. Yeah, they did yeah. win today, 5-4 four, four over Pittsburgh. So right now, if the playoffs started today, the Sharks would have to face the Golden Knights in the first round. Wow. Now, that's going to be a tough out right that's there. That's going to be a fun matchup. A very good fun. Very I fast. selfishly want that to happen because that's that. going to be one hell of a series. Well, my question is this. If they fail in the first round and then have so many you know, obstacles that they have to deal with in the offseason, do you see a scenario where, hey, Doug Wilson maybe gets canned? I mean, uh, I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't think so because, I mean, you look at his body of work and – you know, the, he's one the of the most aggressive GMs, and he's very successful when it comes to, to making trades. For well, sure. think about the Canucks where they were in 2011. They were a team that was considered to be in the exact same part of their organizational arc as the San Jose Sharks. Here we are in 2019, and we're still talking about the San Jose Sharks True. as one of the best teams in the NHL. And I think but there's not a whole lot in the cupboard there. Like no, it's getting you look pretty at, bare. Look at, their getting cap, pretty bare. look at their cap right now, too. I mean, they've got uh, Brent Burns uh, and uh, uh, Mark Edward Vlasic, who are signed to lengthy deals, and they're in their 30s already. Burns yep. at 33 right now. And Vlasic struggled this year, too. It, we know uh, that for a fact. Yeah, and Vlasic, uh, uh, but has been a solid player yeah, uh, throughout his career. Overall. I think Joe Pavelski's pretty much gone. I don't, I don't – it's like Kevin said, I just don't see – uh, a situation that you could keep him, especially when you got to sign Timo Meyer, and if you're thinking about Eric Carlson as well, um, you know it's one of those things with you know they've kind of put themselves in almost like an LA Kings situation, yeah, where they're going to get old fast. They pushed all their chips, and in. yeah, and you know there's not a whole lot in the cupboards, and of course yeah. now we've seen what the Kings are trying to do. Now it's going to be really interesting to see. Uh, what San Jose does, and, and in terms of their assets, like Kevin said, there's not a whole lot to deal with, and they don't have a first-round pick this year. They don't have a first-round pick next year. In fact, they only have this year a second, a third, a fifth, a sixth, and a seventh. Um, so they're they're good at dealing their picks away, but at some point you're going to have to get you know some youngsters in there that aren't just B and C level prospects. Yeah, and I, I think that is going to be the difficulty for the San Jose Sharks, and perhaps it's one of those things where if it doesn't work out this season, they can kind of do a retool on the fly because they've got so many versatile, useful assets currently in their lineup. I wonder if they could explore the market for a Martin Jones trade. Look at Joe Pavelski. Get ahead of that before he's a UFA. It might be a win or reset year for the Sharks, I think. And if they get that Stanley Cup, I think it's going to be all worth it. And and you look at the Canucks, right? Nobody would have complained about the Canucks drafting record yeah. if they won in 2011. And I think that's where the Sharks are right now. Yeah. Uh, there's a question in the inbox here. It's not signed. So, guys, uh, sign your text, please. A little <laughs> Matt Sakaris there. Uh, JD, do you think San Jose may just be a difficult team to play goal for Five on five, as in when they give up chances, they are high risk, and it's 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 true. They do they get up ice. High event hockey. Yeah, yeah. I've actually heard that before too. That's a very good question. I, I really do wish that you would have signed your text because I'd love to give you credit for it. And there have been some people within the goaltending community that I've spoken with 
even Doug Wilson, I think, has gone on the record as saying that the team's adjusted save percentage is a lot better than what it looks like as currently slated. The one thing that he pointed out in this season was that they're giving up the most breakaways in the NHL, and that might be impacting Martin Jones' save percentage. I think it's a bit of both. I think it's a little column A, a little bit of column B. I mean, could it be more difficult to play for, for the San Jose Sharks? I think perhaps, yeah. There's some evidence to suggest that's true. By that same token, I don't know if that's enough to make up for the fact that they are 31st in the league in 5-on-5 five five save percentage. And, of course, who else was that text from? He just yeah. responded. Greg yeah. the Dairy Farmer. Of course. And Greg's thank you for the review stuff. on iTunes, Greg. We really yeah. appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate that, guys. If you guys haven't checked us out uh, on iTunes, you can uh, catch up with all our past shows on iTunes and uh, just search Rinkwide and uh, give us a, a, a rating. Five stars would be nice. Four is good, too. After that, well, that's up to you. <laughs> that, that, I will take it personally. Yeah, I will. I will, too. I will too. Uh, all right. So that's enough of the San Jose Sharks talk for today. Yep. We gave it a, a good amount of uh, coverage there, but they are a very exciting team, and it's going to be it's going to be an interesting game tonight because I want to see what sort of bounce back the Canucks have, and I want to see how they hold up uh, with their number one in net and not a 19-year-old OHL uh, goaltender. They never do well in that building, though. That is true. Uh, when we come – and, you know, the lighting in that building on T – anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know well, that's, that's – Believe Don, me, I, I know. Don yeah. Taylor's always on that as well. It's uh, when, pretty grim. When we come back, guys, uh, we're going to crunch some numbers. We call it the Mathletes, and it stars J.D. Burke. You're listening to Rinkwide right here, TSN 1040. Myself, Andrew Wadden, alongside J.D. Burke. Rinkwide is brought to you by BTM Lawyers LLP, the only law firm that understands who Jason Botsford is talking about half the time. We had Botch on the show earlier, btmlawyers.com, or as Botch might say, the legalists. Of course, he'd yell it. Uh, some good stuff from Jason Botsford in the first hour. In case you guys missed it, you can always check out the podcast available on iTunes, also on TSN. Uh, 1040.ca before we get to the math letties and do a little bit of math with my man JD uh, let's get you caught up on the subway fresh take poll question today we asked you do you want the Canucks to re-sign Alex Edler uh, just over 1300 votes in right now 60% holding strong uh, saying yes and a lot of discussion going on on the uh, on the Twitter right now on the Twitter <laughs> on TSN 1040 it sounded like, like a 50-year-old man there or something. Yeah, um, on the Twitter. On the Twitter. Uh, so log on to uh, Twitter and uh, go over to TSN uh, 1040 and cast your vote. Uh, we are going to get to the Mathletes, like I said, in a matter of seconds here. But we'll let you know, too, that the phone boards are open if you want to chime in. 604-280-1040 or toll-free 844-876-1040. And you can always message us in the Brain and Injury Law inbox at texting 104040 or live at tsn1040.ca all right jd let's do some math with the math letties that's right and and as far as the callers go i know you're out there uncle ali can't wait to hear from you <laughs> so let's get going with the math letties here the vancouver canucks going into this deadline aren't expected to make a lot of moves they've got alexander edler as a pending unrestricted free agent but all indications suggest that the canucks are going to look at a way to re-sign him to a contract extension probably looking at the three- to four-year range. Fair enough. But the Canucks have to be aggressive elsewhere. They have to find ways to get in front of the issues that are going to face them in the long-term forecast. Here's where the math comes in. The Canucks are bottom five in the league in core C4 percentage. That means they control the fifth-worst shot attempt ratio at five-on-five five in the entire NHL. 
And you can go on and on and right down the line. Goals for percentage, bottom five. Expected goals, bottom five. This is a team that needs to sell. And they haven't been aggressive about it in deadlines past. This is the year. You've got big contracts coming up for Brock Besser, for Quinn Hughes, Elias Pettersson. You need to get in front of that. You need to clear space. And you don't need to just clear space for those contracts. What about Adam Gaudet? One goal and one assist in Thursday night's win. You need to clear space for him to play. You need to show your rookies, your prospects, that there is room if you earn these spots in the lineup. And that is the Mathletics. Canucks need to sell. Yeah, no, don't disagree with that at all. Uh, like I mentioned just a moment ago, we did have Jason Botchford uh, on in the first hour. He's not confident that the Canucks are going to do oh, anything he, at he, this trade deadline. He was, he almost, wow. he, he sounded like heartbroken or something over it. But uh, man, covering it, this team, yeah, no, it's yeah, it's it, uh, there are days, yeah, where you just like, and 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 this kind of speaks to my Mathletics point. Think about how bad the Canucks have been. There was a three-year run where they were the worst team in the league. And then think about how little roster turnover there is. There has like, Or, or additions a, like veterans, you know, getting four-year deals like the Beagles oh, and, and the Roussels. And don't get me wrong. But they're so I, I'm a, loyal to these veterans. Yeah, yeah. And Sam Gagne, you know, who's now gone, of course. But, uh, you know, Michael D- Delzato, who they brought in and were able to ship out. Uh, Erica Branson right now. I mean, the, the asking price for Branson. That's just a ridiculous. Top four plus a top four plus, uh, for a third or third pairing defenseman. The Canucks are sideshow Bob, surrounded by rakes, <laughs> stepping on them repeatedly. Every which you direction they turn. You got the drop for turn. that there, Basso. <laughs> and you know what? This is uh, they have an opportunity this deadline. And yeah. look at last year. Yeah. And every, and every year we hear maybe they'll be more active at the draft. Maybe they'll do this. Maybe they'll do that. They had five teams calling on Brandon Sutter last year. Yeah. That's your obstacle to Adam Gaudet, and he's still here. And because they didn't seize that moment, they're going to have a harder time trading him now. Now, and, and look at this team right now, too, with the with the Tanov being out, uh, uh, Edler being out, Sutter being out. You know, they got this young squad that's playing right now. It's like, this is it. Like, okay. This is what we want to see. We want to see these young guys get this opportunity. And they get better. But the problem is, though, is when Edler comes back, and as you know, Botch said, they're going to sign him. Oh, yeah. Like We asked you guys in our poll question today, do you want the Canucks to re-sign Alex Edler? Now, we didn't set any parameters on that as well, though. Right? So we do have people you know, replying to us saying, yeah, if you can get a two-year deal at so-and-so, do it. But the problem is, is that Alex Edler is, and the Canucks – you know, they love to throw out term. They're like Oprah. You know, yeah. like you can have four years, and you can have four years, and you can have four years. The, the Jay Beagle contract frustrating. is a millstone hanging around there. I neck. like Jay Beagle. And, and, and there but are other people. But do you people like Jay Beagle not at, for four three, years. No, at three no. million per? No, not at all. Think about the salary cap. Yep. You have to be efficient with every single dollar, yep. especially if you're going to be a salary cap team like the Vancouver Canucks. You've got $3 million dedicated to a fourth-line center for four years. You set a negative precedent for every negotiation going forward. And you know what? It's interesting to me that just a year after they signed Jay Beagle for four years as a 32-year-old free agent going into his age 33 season, they didn't have the foresight to realize this is going to come back to bite us in the butt when we have to go and sign Alexander Edler. Because how, how do you say, if you're Jim Benning, how do you look Alexander Edler and his agent and do you go, Look, Jay Beagle, fourth line center, we can give four years to that. 
We can't give it to a first-pair defenseman. It's it's a millstone. Yeah, it's mind blowing. Uh, well, listen, we've we've just got uh, we oh, this is just in. We've got uh, Jim Benning right now uh, walking around the front offices of the Vancouver Canucks. You got that, uh, Basso? <laughs> this goes on for like 50 seconds. You just let me know when you want me to cut away. Yeah. <laughs> and if you guys don't get the reference, that was the uh, that was a good line, by yeah. the way. Sideshow yeah. Bob stepping on the rakes everywhere. Classic Simpsons, little Halford and Bruff yeah. addition. Yeah, to our well, show. I mean, that's the Merrick Mazanitz trait. <laughs> that's it right there. Yeah, that, exactly. That's the rakes. Exactly. All right, guys, one uh, last segment uh, to go here. When we come back, well, we'll cross it over for the Alpine Credits pregame show with John Abbott and Blake Price. You're listening to Rinkwide right here at TSN 1040. Andrew Wadden alongside J.D. Burke. We got uh, the Alpine Credits pregame show coming up next with Blake Price and John Abbott. They're both in studio with us right now. Rinkwide is powered by BTM Lawyers in Fort Moody. First, Gary Bettman put a cap on player salaries, now ICBC, putting a cap on personal injury claims in British Columbia. If you've been injured in a car accident, come talk to the legal capologists at BTM Lawyers to find out what your claim is worth. You can find them online at btmlawyers.com. Our final look at the Subway Fresh Take poll question, over 1,300 votes. We asked you today, do you want the Canucks to re-sign Alex Edler? 60% of you holding strong right now. With yes, so let's welcome in Blake and John. Your thoughts on uh, the Alex Endler sign- re-signing, boys? I mean, it looks like it's going to happen, but would you do more than two years? Would you go to four, perhaps? Four. They love to hand four. out the fours. Crazy. Time. I would want four. No. You would want four? I would not no. want four. Oh, okay. Would okay, you go sorry, three? You. I was still in the can you trade him camp yeah. until he was hurt. Yeah. yeah. Even yeah. though I realized the odds on that were very slim. Yeah. If you're if you're re-signing him to both allow him to finish his career as a Vancouver Canuck and provide some kind of a backbone to the the blue line moving forward, I hope that does you know lead us down the road of changing the blue line moving forward outside of even Quinn Hughes. And I hope it's not for four years. Like two, if you gave me the two or the four, it better be the two. He has no chance he signs for two. I don't think he no. signs for two. After they and sign Jay Beagle. Yeah, and so the Canucks will say, oh, we'd like two, and they'd be like, no, we're really just not signing two, so how about three? And the Canucks be like, okay, three, yeah. and that's still one year too long. Well, then it better bring the money, it better bring the amount down then. I mean, you'd think so, like but... if term is, if they're going to grant him term, then that better Well, the injury does two out. things. It makes you really scared about the next couple of years and, and yeah. his durability, but it also should bring that down. Now, whether... Whether that is the case or not, I don't know. Like hey, the the injuries, I heard Botch earlier, t- and he's right. I mean, b- between the two of them, like it, it, that makes you leery to bring both of them back for the next couple of years because you cannot guess or or assume that they are going to be available to you for even sixty five right. to seventy games. I mean, that would seem like yeah. a windfall at this point. Tanov's career high seventy games in yeah. a season. That's you know for all the years that he's played here, and of course he's he's been good. But he's not the, the regular Chris Tanev we've seen now. Uh, I don't know if you guys heard Botch earlier, but he was suggesting that uh, the Canucks ask for Eric Branson somewhere in the uh, top pairing defenseman plus. It's crazy. Uh, top four defense. Top four. Yeah. Still, excuse me. 
I, I, I don't think that makes any more sense. But uh, like what, is, what does Eric Goodbranson have on Jim Benning that makes them you know, want to keep him so badly? They've I, always I overvalued who they have. Yeah. And, and this is what many He's of us has been saying about the selling part uh, at the deadline. Stop being picky. Just yeah. liquidate, yep. open up roster spots. Not that the concerning thing about, like, I mean, everybody would would be fine seeing Gabranson go and a couple others. There's just, a, again, we've seen there's not a, a ton of guys knocking on the door saying put me in the National Hockey League roster. I mean, Breezeball can fill space, and even the Sotners of the world and the Mackinnies, they're fine, but are we really excited to see what they're going to do at the National Hockey League level? They might be Alex Biegas. I don't know if they're going to be any more than that. Yeah. There's Quinn Hughes. I would normally be, you know, if U Levy played an entire year at the HL level, I would be legitimately excited to see him in October. But now with the setback, I mean, yeah, who knows what to expect out of U Levy? So, Johnny, I'd be nice if Bowen Byram was a name you could add, but that's not going to happen. Well, I might. Uh, well, could, I could. So. I, I, you think they're just too far out of, yes, of, of, of picking that low? I think. Yeah, I think. No, I, I they can win a lot. There, of the there's potential line. for them to fall. Getting to a six spot or a five spot, I think, is totally doable for the Canucks at this point, and that's all. That that might be enough considering some of the helium for the centers in this draft, too. So the problem is he's got helium, too. I mean, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be blown away if Byron ends up the fourth overall pick. So that's the that's the problem. But his original spot was sort of 6-7, and I think Canucks can get there. Has, has Good Branson ever been a consistent 3-4 in the Canucks lineup? No. 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 So how are no. they asking for a 3-4 from someone else. I, it's, <laughs> it's like some people in the fan base. Like, oh, no, you got to have a guy with this grit and size. And he gets turnstiled every single night. It's ridiculous. All you got to look at is the, not even the fancy stats. Look at his plus minus. The fancy stats are pretty grim, though. The fancy stats are very I grim. I think he's on the uh, ice for about 4.5 goals per hour at 5-on-5. Five five. And four contacts, Yikes. that is the worst number in the entire NHL. Canucks are 20th overall in the league right now. So they could pick in the top 10, potentially, and maybe get a bone byron. That's down the road, though. Um, you know, the, the the thing is, with what do you guys think about the trade today? Sam Gagne, Ryan, it's just, you know, trash need, in, need a winger, out. got too many centers, get rid of You know, well, Sam wasn't in their plans anyway. I I'll, think it's, I'll defer it's to Blake. I think it's all comment on the other side. I think it's the same. It's, it's yeah. the same. I mean, I think, I think both of them are, are fine. I mean, Spooner's had a seriously depressed year, but he's done okay the last year. Do you think he's year. got any left in him? Oh, he might. Yeah. I mean, I thought Sam Gagne should be in the lineup, given what yeah. this team has got in the top six. So, I, I it's fine. I, I, it's sort of, uh, I'm nonplussed by it. Yeah. <laughs> it's movement. And, and he's younger than Gagne, too. Is he by a year or so? Yeah. I think about that. Yeah, yeah he's only 27 years old. I yeah. think Gagne was like, getting up there to, like, 29. Yeah. So, I mean... You bought twelve months. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a man yeah. move. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm trying to parse the. Yeah. Johnny, you uh, well, you you're disagree? Not paying, you're not paying. No, I like the move, yeah. and okay. you're not paying full full bill on Spooner. You know, the Rangers are retaining part of that salary, and as soon as you send Gagne to an American Hockey League competitor within the division, the, you know, as soon as it's not the Utica Comets, you could count the days that Gagne was going to be part of this franchise. So at least, at the very least. They're getting something for now the second UFA signing that went awry on the same day. It was Del Zotto for a seventh that they turned into getting the goaltender, and now Gagne for Spooner. So even that, even if they have regrets on what they did July first, at least that at least they've changed them out for something. All right. Well, we got about uh, thirty seconds left here, guys. You guys are going to be teeing up uh, the Canucks and Sharks tonight. What do you got on the show? 
Uh, well, lots uh, from the Canucks over the last couple of days. Uh, all the all the movement. Uh, we'll take a look around the National Hockey League. A very interesting uh, night in the NHL with regards to the Senators and Jets. Uh, the discussion about you know maybe there's a, a guy yeah. left behind here Mark at the Stone. end of this contest. Yeah. Uh, uh, so we'll we'll get into that a little bit. We'll keep our eye on the out of town scoreboard as games in hand, of course, start to get uh, cashed in a little bit around the Vancouver Canucks. And we'll see if they're able to hold on. I mean, they've got two wins in seven games. They haven't left their first spot below the bar, despite <laughs> that record. Uh, they have started to owe games now to teams, but they're cashing those in this evening before they've dropped the puck. So we'll see what kind of movement is around the Western Conference and then uh, go over the lineups and everything with Jeff Patterson live from the rink. The turtle race continues in the West. Uh, thanks for listening to Rinkwide here, guys. Uh, we'll be back next Saturday at the same time. Uh, for J.D. Burke, I'm Andrew Wadden. Uh, Alpine Credits pregame show coming up next. Keep it locked right here for all your Canucks coverage.